Hey guys, my name is John McGee. I am the Director of Marriage Ministry here at Watermark, and this is my bride, Pam. Hello. And uh, we are really excited uh, to share with you tonight. So uh, how many of you guys were excited about college football uh, this week? Anybody? <laughs> Man, it is... Uh, it is a page-turning, you know, uh, big event in our household, so much so our oldest son this weekend, his entire class is getting together for a big event, and he said, Dad, I don't think I'm going. And I was like, well, what? what's going on, buddy? He's like, well, college football, duh. <laughs> I was like, Pat, we, we will record this thing, man. Go, go be with your friends. You know, the world doesn't stop uh, for college football, but it is, uh, it is a big deal to us. So uh, this week we were getting ready. Um, we've got four kids. Our youngest, uh, Emmy, is nine, and uh, she had never been to an OU football game. So Pam and I both grew up in Oklahoma, always cheering for uh, the Sooners, and so uh, she had not yet been to an OU uh, football game yet. So we had uh, some friends who invited us up. She was crazy excited, like way more than dad was. I, I don't, you know, we were playing Louisiana Tech, so it wasn't a really big event, but to her, she was finally going to get to go to OU game. Uh, she was excited. I was excited as a dad, and, uh, and, pay, and truthfully, we had some other tickets to the, uh, the Florida State-Oklahoma State game, you know, and uh, so Pam took the three boy, or three kids, and that was the game I wanted to be at, but I went with my daughter, you know, and watched my phone, <laughs> the, what, how the real football game was going. Um, so we're getting ready. We're getting ready Friday night, going to drive up to Oklahoma, and Emmy's all decked out. She's got her OU headband and her, her shirt on, and she's ready to go. And, uh, and so I bring a couple OU shirts out from the closet, and I try the first one on, pants in, the, and, uh, in our bedroom, and I, and I was like, God, this is, this is tight, you know? I don't... <clears throat> you know, and uh, and Pam goes, I, you know what? I think it looks really good. Uh, that's actually, you know, she wasn't like being demeaning, but she said that's like the way a shirt should fit. You know, that's for a for a man your age. That's what a shirt should look like. And I said, it you know, good. It looks good. And it was. I, mean, I just was like, I can't. You know, I can breathe. So try on shirt number two, and I'm like, winner. This this is it. And uh, and Pam goes, uh. Uh-uh. Man, that thing, uh, it was really, really baggy, um, so it was a size bigger than the one that I just tried on, and I was like, this is awesome. It's been cut down the side and, and extended, so with an extra strip of cloth there, you know, and I was like, look, it's got extra breathing room, you know, and she goes, man, that is not, that's not what grown men wear, you know, like if you, if you lived on a couch, you know, on your parents' couch and played video games all day, that's the shirt you wear, um, but not, you don't wear that out in public, you know, and and, uh, and I was like, man, that's the shirt I want to wear. And she told me this is what looks better. Uh, so I went with shirt one, right? And uh, I went there and I was, um, so took, took pictures to prove it. And, you know, and I just remember at that moment just going, uh, you know, Pam, I, I, I felt like I didn't look, didn't look good or whatever. Um, but I thought, Pam, there's no way Pam would, you know, like punk me, right? And so wind me out there in front of 80,000 people and look like an idiot. Um, even though I didn't think it looked good uh, in that moment, I absolutely trusted uh, Pam. And one of the metaphors we've come back to often in our marriage is that, that our spouse is a lot like uh, a mirror. And uh, if we'll trust it, it will really, really help us. 
Yeah, and so the idea of the full-length mirror comes from this quote by Gary and Betsy Rakusi. It says, one of the best wedding gifts God gave you was a full-length mirror called your spouse. Had there been a card attached, it would have said, here's to helping you discover who you really are. Um, so what a great word picture. You look in the mirror, and there's things that you can show each other that are great and beautiful about each other. And then there's some stuff that you really um, aren't so great, aren't so beautiful. And your spouse, better than anyone else, can show you that just like that full-length mirror. And so that idea kind of comes out of Genesis 2. And so what was going on there? There was uh, Adam, and he was there alone. And God said, it is not good for a man to be alone. And so we need to create uh, a helper for him. And so he creates Eve. And so a lot was going on there. Surely that was part of the companionship. God said, you know, Adam needs a companion. He needs someone to be his friend. He needs someone to have fun. All that was absolutely wrapped up in there. Okay, clearly that was a part of it. But also what was a part of that companionship or really that completion idea uh, was that they were supposed to help each other honor God. Right? Obey God. And the way we know that is because when, when Eve takes a bite of whatever it is that she took a bite of from the tree that she wasn't supposed to, to touch, um, God holds both Eve and Adam uh, accountable. And you could argue from Romans 5.12, actually God even holds Adam maybe even more accountable, even though it was Eve. And there was something that was supposed to be going on there, that Adam was supposed to help Eve and Eve was supposed to help Adam obey God. And that's, that's part of the idea of completion. And so completion also means um, we, we fill in each other's kind of gaps, like that famous Rocky, uh, that Rocky quote, you know. Um, and so Pam has strengths, I've got strengths, I've got weaknesses, Pam's got weaknesses, and then we, we complete each other. That's part of it. But the part we want to talk about tonight is the way that God wants to help us um, grow our spouse, help our spouse become more like the person that God had intended them uh, to be. Yeah, and so a couple of other verses that speak to that, Proverbs 27, 7. You hear this a lot, a lot for guys, you know, as men sharpen, sharpen each other. It says, um, iron sh- sharpens iron. Um, and it just talks about that picture of making each other look more like Christ. Well, I think um, it can obviously be used in this situation. As spouses, we can help each other look more like Christ the way we sharpen, the way we kind of help whittle away the stuff that doesn't look like Christ, the way we encourage the stuff that does. Um, and so that's a great verse. And another one is Hebrews ten twenty four, 24, um, where it talks about spurring one another on toward love and good deeds. It's talking to believers there. And so um, husbands and wives, um, you know, even if you're not, not a believer, you can encourage each other toward love and good deeds. The goal of this is to love God and love others. And so as you spur each other on toward love, and out of that flows good deeds toward each other. Yeah. So that, that, those verses that Pam read apply to all the church, for all the believers to each other, and especially to uh, the husband and wife. The first place, the first person we're supposed to love, the first person we're to sharpen uh, is our spouse. And so Pam and I, we, we were talking today, we got lots of examples uh, of this. And one that just stuck out in my mind was um, several years ago, we were in a social situation, right? we were coming back home, I think is the way it was. And Pam goes, man, you are really uh, sarcastic. You are really sarcastic and, uh, and you wound people. And I thought, no, no, I'm not. I mean, I'm funny. That's what I am. <laughs> I was like, did you not see all those people laughing? They thought I was hilarious. And, and she said, you know what? They were laughing because they were nervous that you uh, were going to come after them next. And that was like a nervous laughter deal. And I thought, you know, I, at first, I got, of course, I got all defensive. No, it's not. No, it's not. Uh, and I thought, and I was like, you know what? I think, I think you're right. I think you're right. And so Pam, you know, and, and, would, and I, as I thought back, that had been a characteristic of me, like, you know, since junior high. I would just 
take, take someone or take something and kind of run it into the ground with this biting sarcasm. And no one had ever said, hey, dude, that, that's hurting you and that's hurting others and you need to stop. But my wife, who was living with me 24-7, had kind of seen you know, uh, in 3D the ramifications of that long-term in relationships. She said, you know what? I love you enough that I want to help you be the man that God wants you to be. And, uh, and, and you need to stop being so sarcastic. And, uh, and it was hard, man. <laughs> it meant like for the next two years, I didn't make anybody laugh, you know, <laughs> so I, did, I didn't have anything to go to if I wasn't making fun of people. And it took me, uh, you know, it took me a while uh, just where I could, you know, engage joyfully in, um, in social situations because I only had kind of one MO to go there. And that was one of the ways I think that God really used, one of many ways that God's used to kind of refine me and help me uh, both love him and love others better. And for me, it would be just the area of anger. And so I didn't think I was angry. And then we had four kids like in six years. And um, I realized I had these outbursts of anger. And um, and so my husband will lovingly, um, you know, point those out. We have one, one of our four that kind of struggles with it more than the rest. And I'll be like, where did that come from? And he'll just lovingly say, well, babe... You know, um, I think the apple didn't, no, he says it very sweetly. doesn't fall far from the tree, but it's true. I mean, it's very true. Sweet. And so just very sweetly, he will point that out. And so he would say his sarcasm was a surprise. Like when I said that to him, it was a surprise. Mine wasn't necessarily a surprise. I know that's kind of my besetting sin. But just as he lovingly points that out, he knows that I don't want to parent that way, that I don't want to live life that way. Um, and so just for him to remind me, hey, I know this is not how you want to be. I know you want to be patient and kind. Um, and so just for us to both just remind each other, we know this is not how you want to be. We're for you. We love you. Even if you're sarcasm and angry all the time, we still love you, but we know that's not how you want to be. Yeah, it's good. And it, it, is, uh, it takes a lot of spiritual maturity in those moments to say, um, man, tell me what you see. Uh, I, want, I want to honor God. That, that is really, really hard, especially because it's coming from an imperfect person, right? So if I tell Pam, hey, babe, I think you're kind of angry, well, if I'm her, I'm going, who in the world are you uh, to lecture me about anger or about being short or about yada, 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 right? I know you. I go to bed and wake up next to you. Who, who are you? And it takes a lot of spiritual maturity to go, you know what? God can use anybody. In the, donkey, er, in, in the Old Testament, God used a donkey, you know? And I just, you got to go, man, if God can use an ass, he can use your spouse, right, uh, to, to help you be, to be, be more like him, okay? And it's hard. It's hard, to listen, uh, it's hard to listen to a donkey, um, but God's, God's got plans in that, okay? It takes a lot of spiritual maturity. So uh, we came up with a list of five things that we wanted to just kind of flesh out for you as we think about how uh, God wants to use you, right? How God wants to use you in the life uh, of your spouse. Yeah, it's that full-length mirror. Yeah, so five things. You take notes on this or just file them away, but the first one is um, that it all starts with love. Um, so there's a reason that when you go through the re-engage curriculum that the completion chapter is chapter 15 and not chapter 1 or 2. Um, when you sharpen someone and it comes from someone who you know loves you, who you know is forgiving you and is, you know, there's trust growing, you believe each other, believe the best about each other, You're, you've talked about communication and learning how to handle conflict well, that just comes so much better um, from someone who's d- doing all those things and working on all those things. So just that it starts with love and then as all those things are growing, we talk about completion. Yeah, and, and for some of you tonight, like the, the idea that you would be be able to receive something from your spouse right now uh, and let them point something out is, is 
pretty far-fetched, okay? Because you're just going, we're, that's not where we are. I want to let you know, it's okay, right? Um, but that is where you should be moving to. That's what Christian couples do, is they help each other become more like Christ. So if you're not, that's not where you are, so it's okay to be where you are, uh, but it's not okay to stay there. And so rather than not talking about some of these issues, we want to talk about uh, the places that we should be moving to. And then some of you are ready to kind of take that next step. Like Pam said, it always has to come from a place and a posture of love. They have to be thoroughly convinced that you're for them, and there's not an ulterior motive, or you're just not trying to make them feel bad, okay? So they've got to be convinced of that. Second one is when you, we think about kind of sharpening each other, right, making each other uh, more like Christ, um, it, it, uh, it doesn't let us off the hook, or better said, uh, we still have to work on ourselves, as we think about sharpening our spouse, we still have to work on ourselves. And so Matthew 18 famously talks about how if we've got an issue with someone, we go to them. If they won't listen, we bring someone else until we bring as many people as we need to get that done. That happens in Matthew 18. And it's always really helpful for me to remember that Matthew 7, 3 through 5, comes before Matthew 18. So before I actually go and tell someone else and point something out in, in their lives, Matthew 7, 3 through 5 says, I'm supposed to get the log out of my own eye. And what happens is when you live with another sinner, a lot of their stuff, um, a lot of their imperfections and, and things that aren't like Christ kind of pop out, right, in, in live, vivid 3D color. And, uh, and you can be real tempted to just kind of run around just going, not like Christ, not like Christ, not your best. Uh, have you thought about this, right? And just, just kind of uh, hound them the entire way. That would be really easy to do. And as we do that, and we need to, uh, we never stop being ruthless uh, about our own obedience to Christ, okay? This isn't a zero-sum game. You do both. But you also uh, always give your, your best energies, right? Spend the most calories on honoring God yourself uh, before you go uh, kind of pointing out some of this stuff in them. That's good. So the third one, um, just to talk for a minute about the difference in criticism and sharpening. Um, and so sharpening comes from a heart, as, as we've talked about, a heart of love, a heart that wants to move towards oneness and wants your spouse to truly look like Christ and that you can play a part in that. Um, criticism comes from a heart of tearing someone down, just kind of venting your frustrations. Oftentimes we as women will say, I'm just sharpening my husband, but there's a little thing we want to control about him. Um, and so just to be really careful of that. And so a great check is, hey, what are my motives in this? So when I think, I want to tell John something. Are my motives just I'm frustrated? I just want to get a jab in, make sure, you know, he just told me I was angry, so I've got to find something I'm going to tell him. Mm-hmm. Um, or is a heart to just, hey, I love you enough to share something that might be hard. It might be awkward in the moment, but I love you enough because I want you to look like Christ. Because it makes you a better husband. It makes you a better father. And so just check your motives before and be careful of the criticizing and that it really is sharpening. That's great. Yeah. Uh, that was number three. Number three, yes. Number, number four. four. Um, and so on the, along that line, it's, sometimes it's hard um, to sharpen your spouse because you know where it's going often. And so just to be vulnerable in the moment, like, okay, if I say something to him, there's a good shot. I'm opening myself up for him to say something to me. Um, and then just to be okay with that because the end goal, when you talk about communication um, in the lesson, the end goal is to understand each other. Maybe not agree, um, but to mutually understand each other. So the end goal of this is to look more like Christ, to have a marriage um, that not only makes you holy, but it makes you happy. Um, and there's joy, and it brings joy to your family. And so there may be a time when you're like, okay, if I say something, I'm hesitant because he may say it back. Um, but just to push past that and know that the end goal is a big deal. Yeah, uh, and you see it all the time, right? And you've probably settled into this some way in your, in your relationship. I'm not going to point stuff out in them because the second I do, 
um, that opens me up to um, sharpening from them, right? And so we've just kind of drawn this little truce line here and said we don't cross, uh, we don't cross this. And so it's peaceful, right? You're not, you're not fighting, it doesn't hurt, um, but you are missing out and your spouse is missing out on what God has uh, for you. Right? You are one of the primary means of grace in your spouse's life. And when we draw that, that kind of truce line there, uh, they then miss out on one of the primary gifts God has uh, to make them more um, like Christ. So he always wants to use his word, his spirit, and his people. And, and guess what? If you wake up next to somebody, you are, people, you are God's plan A, I believe, uh, in their life. Okay, you are um, God, God's word and his spirit, um, but God doesn't need outside intervention uh, if he's got you uh, in the home, okay? So uh, number five, lastly on this one, is that, that change rarely happens in an instant, right? Change rarely happens in an instant. And so it's not like we, we just, you know, walk up to our spouse one day and say, I just want you to to know that um, I think you're a pretty prideful, angry person, and I just wanted to share that with you. And uh, Or they go, well, you know what? Thank you so much. Uh, I was completely oblivious, but today uh, everything has changed, and you can rest assured you'll never, ever have to bring that up uh, to me because I've got it from here. Man, me and Jesus are going to uh, take this thing to the ground, right? It rarely, rarely happens that way. There's, there's some moments, right, you know, kind of the, the prophet Nathan looking at you, you are that man, and you just cut to the quick, and you repent, and you change. That, that happens, but more often times than not, it's, it's a much more gradual thing. So we talk about, in Lesson 15, we talk about First, First Thessalonians 5.14. We call it the, the 5.14 principle. And so Paul's talking to four different people, but he says we're to admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with all men. Okay, so four different people, but reality is all of us are all four of those things. So the admonishment piece, all of us, there's, there's parts of us that are stubborn, and we need somebody just to tell us the truth. Right, to, uh, Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love. That's admonishment, right? All of us need to be encouraged. We need to receive grace, both from God and from other people. We can't just walk around just whacking each other, right? And it's not some like spiritual whack-a-mole where we just sit there with our spouse, issue, whack, issue, whack, issue, whack. Uh, when it comes up, you deal with it, you deal with it, you deal with it, right? Hey, I'm going to point it out, and I'm going to encourage you as you change. The next one uh, is to help them. Okay? So rather than say, you know what, I think you're prideful, I think you're arrogant, I think those kind of things, hey, how can I help you? Right? How, can I point, how can I lovingly uh, point out uh, these things? So like for Pam and I, we've got all kinds of like underground signals that the world is not uh, privy to, but in a situation, a uh, social situation, I start talking, if I feel uh, a hand on my leg, I had better stop whatever road I am going down. Do you guys have that? <laughs> And, and I've been so many times like, but that, I'm just thinking, that is a great story, you know. Uh, let me finish this thing. And she's just going, no, you know, I, we're, not, we're not looking. And she's just smiling and eating her stuff. She's got her hand on. And I, and I have to stop. And, she's, she's, and that, that's one of the ways that she helps me, right? Yeah, so you've she, got a great look. When I start, the blood starts going up, I start getting angry. He's just got this sweet smile. <laughs> I think he's scared, actually, a little bit. But no. um, he's got Don't a great look. Like, oh, I'm 
My voice is rising. Yeah. I didn't even realize it. So it can be helping it in that way. It can also be just kind of bearing a burden, right? Someone that's got a temptation or a struggle and just going, I'm going to be there with you. I heard a great, read a great story. This, this gal was, um, uh, this week, I, I, I read it, um, I don't even remember where, but she was, uh, uh, she was bulimic. So she, she would binge and then she would perch. And, um, and so he, husband walked in one night and the wife is just like caught red-handed. She's in, in the bag with uh, her hand in the chips, just about to, to chow down. And, uh, and he went over and uh, grabbed another bag and just sat down and said, you know what, if you're going to do this, you're not going to do this uh, alone. And he just sat there and, and just ate chips with them until they were both, uh, both nauseous. And he said, I'm just going to walk with you through that. All right? I don't know that's always the best way to help, but I thought, I mean, what, a, what a great picture, right? And I'm, he'd had all the conversations, I'm sure. Hey, this is not good for you, you know, all this kind of stuff. But there was a part of it, I just, I'm just going to be with you. I want to help you through that. That's, what that. that's what that looks like, all right? And the last one in that is just to be patient. Because your spouse won't, they won't change overnight. So you're going to have to tell them the truth. You're going to have to encourage them and make sure they know you love them and are for them. You're going to have to help them. And then you're going to have to be patient. Because at the end of the day, if, this, if there's growth in somebody's heart, right? 1 Corinthians uh, 3, 6 says, that, that's God. We plant, we water, God brings growth. And so God, you're just going to have to let God do his thing, okay? Which begs the question, well, what do you do if they don't change? What, if they do, what do you do if they dig in, okay? And this is where I make a plea to be involved in a local church um, and be fully known somewhere. And so for Pam and I, we get to that place and I just say, hey, babe, I don't think you're right. Uh, you don't see it correctly. I see it correctly. Stand down. I'm going to keep going with that track. And she's going to say, I, I don't think that is the case. At that point, we call our friends, our community group, our small group here, and we just sit with them. And we just say, here is the deal. We, we are at odds. We don't see clearly. One of us is right or none of us is right. Maybe you guys see what we don't see, but we, I'm not, I'm not going to just push her uh, concerned under the rug. I need to hear them, but I don't agree. Will you guys help us? Okay. And uh, that, that can't happen in isolation. And we see couples that, don't, that aren't connected well in the church struggle. We see couples who are connected deeply uh, in their church are known fully, do really well. Okay? And so that is what's after, hey, we're, we're, at, uh, we're at an impasse. Okay? Um, yeah, any other thoughts on any of that? No, I just think something you said, and just to kind of reiterate it, and it's just really a mind change, is your spouse is the greatest means of grace that God's given you. Um, and I don't think a lot of us look at our spouse and think that. Um, and so really just, this would be, and so we're going to talk some practical and where um, John and I have room to grow, but this is kind of one of our bigger um, areas that we're really wanting to just gain some ground in this year. Um, and so just to look at my spouse, to look at John and say, he is the greatest means of grace. It may not feel like it every moment, but just to remind myself of that truth. So. Yeah. That's great. Um, I think that was great. So just some, some practically, how, do, how does this go easy or well? It's going to be difficult, especially the very first time you do it. It will be. Take it to the bank, okay? The easiest way always is for you to open yourself up to feedback from your spouse. Right? So rather than them having to look for an opportune moment, uh, the best way is for you occasionally to say, hey, you know what? Um, is there anything you want me to know? Um, about you know being married to me, about the way I'm following Christ, about the way I'm raising the kids, because uh, I'm at like my heart's at a good spot right now. I'm open to anything you would share with me, and I won't. You know, I, I tell Pam sometimes like I might, I'll tie my hands behind my back and I won't fight you. 
Like this is a good time. So uh, I'd love to hear uh, your feedback. So that is all. Practically, uh, you have so much to do with the way that your spouse uh, sends feedback, okay? And just saying, I'm in that posture. I'd love to hear from you, right? Either prompt, like maybe there's a, some kind of catalytic moment. Or maybe you're just driving. You're on a trip and just say, hey, and you know what? If you don't have anything right now, I, I give you permission, you know, 50 miles from now. If you got something, uh, I'd love I'd love to hear from you because I because I know you, you love me. I know you care for me. Uh, will you help? Uh, will you help sharpen me? Yeah, and so to that point, so maybe they don't come to you and say, "Hey, I want to hear this," um, but you feel like you've kind of prayed about it and thought about it. Your motives are right. Um, maybe just to go with them and ask for permission instead of just unloading on them and saying, "I see all these things in you." Um, just to ask for permission. Hey, I've got some thoughts about our marriage. Um, would this be a good time to share? You know, maybe if not, could we um, maybe connect for coffee or something tomorrow? So, and maybe there's even a tagline. Maybe you've got some secret, you know, code. Um, hey, is it time for meatloaf? I have no idea. Just came up with that. Something <laughs> random. I have no idea. Um, what did you What did you say earlier? I will, I will choose to encourage rather than admonish <laughs> you right now. Um. You could. I mean, so it could be. It could bring some levity to the situation. Yeah. Bring a little light. But if there's something you could say, hey, um, would this be a good time? So kind of asking the permission. Yeah. There you yeah. go. That's yeah. a better yeah. one. Do the chores. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, but hey, um, is this a good time? So asking for permission, and then. Um, Really finding a good time. So women, we know that when the guys, if kids are home, you're home with the kids all day, guys walk in the door from work, it's not the best time to hit them with the five great thoughts you have about your marriage. Um, So just finding good time. Um, When they're in a good spot, you're in a good spot. Um, And then asking for permission is a really practical um, way for this. Yeah, just don't ambush them, maybe is the word I'd use, right? Um, On the way home, you guys have had you know, uh, however however it went, they, they might be a little bit reflective and just go, man, Bam! There's ten things I need to tell you after they talked about completing. I'm gonna get your pen out right now because I'm gonna give them to you. Okay? That's a really bad idea. That's unwise and probably unloving. Okay? So choose choose your time well. Okay? And uh, and ask them if they're open. And if they're not, when would be a good time? Okay? Uh, because if it has to happen now and it has to happen on your terms, and it's all about you at that point. It's not about them. It's not about you helping them become more like Christ. It's it's about you. Okay, uh, it's a pride thing. So as Pam said, there's this is an area we're just trying to kind of grow in. You know, just help. Uh, we're we're doing life, chasing kids, all all that's going well. Um, but we just have a sense we could take it up a notch in terms of the way God is uh, using each of us in each other's lives. And so there was two statements this year that just took me back. They felt odd, and they felt a little arrogant. And uh, this is part of kind of what sent me on this path the last couple of weeks as I was thinking about it. And the first one is this. Uh, we're sitting with uh, a friend, with uh, the, the gal uh, of a couple that we're really good friends with. And the husband was kind of contemplating some pretty significant business situations, uh, some business deals, selling the company or just you know, a, bunch of, a bunch of different things. I mean, uh, lots of zeros, pretty, pretty hairy stuff. And so we're talking to the wife, and uh, she just says this so matter-of-fact. She says, you know what? I've got to be really caref- careful uh, with, and you mentioned his name, um, because he really listens to me and, and, and I feel like God uses me in his life. And I just thought, man, what, you know, what an arrogant thing to say. Um, how, how belittling of your husband. Was, that, was, that was my first gut reaction. And as Pam and I talked about it later, you know, we said, that's absolutely the posture we should have. Right? Our, our spouse should go, man, God's using that person in my life. And so I, when I give them counsel, when I speak in, I better do it well. I better be wise. I better be biblically informed. I better have prayed um, because I'm thoroughly convinced 
I'm thoroughly convinced that God is going to use me in that person's life. And it struck me as odd. It struck me as arrogant. Um, and it let me know that I've got some room to grow. The other one was I was with my brother, and he, we were talking about a bunch of different things, and he just made this comment. He said, as I am discipling my wife. And I thought, man, what, a, what an odd and arrogant thing uh, to say. You know? And I don't know, uh, it would, I would tell you honestly, what came to my mind was like you know, three-year-old Sunday school class. You know, like, like he's giving his wife a little graham cracker and then going up and telling the story of Jesus <laughs> on a flannel graph. You know? <laughs> um, and I just thought, man, don't, don't treat your wife that way. That, that's what I thought. And then I remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 28 when he said to go and make disciples of all nations. And so the two parts of that were to teach them, right? Teach them God's ways and help and teach them to obey. So if, if discipleship meant helping people understand the counsel and word of God and helping them obey, that absolutely is the role of a husband and a wife. And my sister-in-law should absolutely be discipling my husband, or my, my brother, her husband, right? Pam, Pam should be discipling me. I should be discipling Pam, which is to say I should help Pam understand the whole counsel of God and help her obey. She should be doing the same, right? And I just, those two statements made me realize we, we've got some room to grow. Uh, we've got some room to grow because I don't know that our posture is thoroughly convinced God's using us in each other's lives and that we've awakened uh, ourselves enough to understand that it is a big responsibility and we're to disciple uh, each other, okay? Yeah, you know, we've talked a lot about words, you know, and sharing, you know, sharing things with each other. Hey, I want to point out this in your life. I want to share this with you. Um, but really one of the best ways to disciple each other and to sharpen each other is just the way we live our lives and the way we follow Christ, the way we um, lead, um, lean into him, the way we follow the spirit, um, the way we don't quench the spirit by the way we're acting, but the way we just yield um, to him as, as wives, as husbands, as parents, as friends. Um, and so, yeah, there's words involved. There's things to share. But more often than not, it's just the... Um, you know, when, what's the, what's the saying? You know, use when, when possible, I'm going to mess it up. Somebody oh, should help me with Francis the quote. Francis of Assisi's. Francis of Assisi there, quote. But live your, um, uh, live your, share the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. There you go. There you go. And close. so, um, yeah, don't quote me exactly. <laughs> Sorry, St. Francis. Preach the gospel. Um, yes, that's it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we are, I mean, there's, there's definitely times to use words, but the greatest um, way we can shepherd and disciple and sharpen our spouses is just the way we live lives, the way we follow Christ, the way we love him first, yeah. and then out of that flows a love for each other. Yeah, it's, it's a lot like just kind of running, you know, uh, and if you guys have ever run with somebody else who's a little bit quicker than you, right, there's no, you know, nobody gets out the running manual, you just start running faster, Right? My brother and I ran a race uh, several years ago, so I'm a big guy. I, normally, Clydesdale is like up to about 205, right? That's, and so anything above 205, you're still a Clydesdale. Uh, well, in this one, there was additional, um, there's additional categories, and so I clocked in uh, as a rhino. I was a rhino, so like all these you know, skin, skinny guys with no body fat. Uh, then there was a Clydesdales, which normally stand out, and here I was. Uh, I was uh, a rhino, and my brother was actually a hippo. Uh, it was a whole other. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding not. Yeah. We check into the race, and you know, I was like, "Hey, you know, John McGee," and she hands me, and Chris McGee, and she goes, "Huh, a hippo?" <laughs> like, you know, never seen one of those, you know. And so, uh, so we go run in this race, you know, and we had no business being in this race. But right about the last mile and a half, somebody passed us, right? Uh, we was, which was hard to do, given as far back as we were. We didn't know anybody was back there, um, <laughs> but he passed us, and I remember just going, "Uh, uh-uh. uh." 
Like, this is not happening. You're not going to pass me. And, uh, and we chased him down for the next mile and a half. And like, <laughs> right at the end, you know, it had to be the last 5% of the race. You know, we beat him right at the end. You know, <laughs> we were high-fiving each other. But uh, no way I would have run that fast had that dude not passed me, right? We would have just jogged it in and called it good. You know, the hippo and the rhino. We finished, you know. <laughs> and uh, when you see, there's just something about watching your spouse pursue Christ. Right? You just go, wow, it's not a competition, but that, that encourages me. You know? And I'm just, in, I'm just in a sweet time with the Lord right now. I don't, I don't know why, I don't know for how long, but I just can't get enough of God's Word. You know? And so all the time, I'm, just, I'm reading, reading God's Word, and, uh, and I'm, I'm just watching it, and Pam, I'm watching the, the impact, we're not, some, of, some of the stuff we're talking about, but there's just that, watch my, watch my pace, and, uh, and we, can, we can pace set for each other. It, and we need to use words, and we do need to use words. Okay, God wants us to. Let me close with this. Um, the one thing I know about all of us, all of us, uh, is that we are going to die, and we're going to stand before God. That will happen. Hebrews 9.27 says that it is appointed a man once to die, and after that, face judgment. Both you and your spouse will stand before God someday. And um, this has just been a really sobering thought recently, that um, Pam and I, were going to have about a 50-year run together, and I want that to be amazing, right? I want to raise great kids and have a lot of fun and take vacations and, you know, have great sex and be used by God, like the whole deal, right? I want it to be a really fun 50 years. But the thought has occurred to me that more than anything else, I need to be preparing Pam for eternity, I don't want Pam to just have a really good 50-year run. I want Pam to have a great eternity. So I don't know how it's going to go down when we stand. I have no idea. Um, I just know it's going to happen. And I thought it'll go one of two ways. One way is Pam walks up, and I'm, I'm watching, and she steps up, and I just can't bear to watch. Right? And I'm just looking down awkwardly, and she's like, yeah, you know, you should have helped me get ready for this moment. And, uh, and I'll feel like I failed my wife. And the other one is, you know, I'll, I'll look at her and she'll look at me and she'll just go, man, thank you. Thank you. Like, I'm ready for this, man. And, uh, and you've helped me. And uh, as much as we need to work on our marriages, I, we do. We need to make it amazing. If you really love your spouse... If you love your husband, if you love your wife, you help them prepare for eternity. 50 years is short. Eternity is really, really long. And on that day, it is not going to matter where you went on your 25th anniversary. What will matter is how much you've been like Christ and how much you've served him. Those things will matter immensely. So live in light of eternity and know that God wants to use you to get your spouse ready for that day. Okay? Let's pray. You can grab your spouse's hand if you're comfortable. Father, thank you that you give us uh, our spouse. And so oftentimes, rather than seeing it as a blessing, we want to kick against it. Um, But I pray you would grow all of us in our ability to help each other become more like Christ. That's hard. Uh, We want to shrink back. We we just want to pass. Or we want to be mean about it. But I pray you'd give us grace. I pray you'd give us courage. 
and I pray you'd make us all receptive to the ways that you want to use our spouse. Would you help us see uh, our spouse this week as a great gift? In Christ's name we pray. Amen.